You're listening to Big Girl Money. I'm Ronnie Bergner. And I'm Wendy Bowling. And we are the proud hosts of this podcast. Woo! Two years ago, I met Wendy at a coffee shop, and since then, she has changed my professional life so profoundly that I had to share her mentorship with the world. And thus, Big Girl Money was born. Each week, we mix together guest interviews, breaking news stories about women, career advice, and a dash, sometimes more, <laughs> of the millennial versus baby boomer perspective. Discover professional happiness, become the Beyonce of your workplace, and get that big girl money. So what an amazing day. You had an amazing day? Yes. Okay, what did you do? Well, first of all, I was sitting writing an article for, I'm going to pitch it to a magazine. I'm Ooh, pretty excited about it. That is exciting. Um, and it's definitely cancer and the experience and such. Right. But um, I'm sitting there and a hummingbird flies, flits up to that little flower right in front of me and flits all over it and, and does its hummingbird thing and puts its little <laughs> nose in and everything. Yeah, a little It was the coolest thing ever. That is so cool. Isn't I it? love that. Yes. And a wow. friend of mine I've never said seen a hummingbird that, that hummingbird... Um, stands for healing and peace and some other great things. So. Oh, my God. So what I about said, money? Does it also stand for money? No. <laughs> not everything's about money. <laughs> Missy. That's wonderful, though. I'm and so happy for you that that happened. We get to see each other again, and we have Moxie here, which yes, is really cool. Oh, so. and she's sleeping. Oh, she was. Right, until, let's hope it stays that way. Until we got excited again. Yes. So, oh, did she just open her eyes? We'll okay, have to I won't use. Look, I won't look. I won't look. Oh my gosh! Don't look. Don't look. <laughs> Except I have to tell our listeners we're sitting. You know how Ronnie was when she first got the dog. I think I told you all about this. She was like overprotective mommy. You know, <laughs> like where is she? What'd you do? Where'd you go? Is she happy? Is she? Happy? Did she smile? Did she smile in the last thirty seconds? No. But, and now she's become the mother where the pacifier drops on the ground and she pretty much spits on it, puts it back in the baby's mouth. <laughs> because upstairs, it was, we're all kind of hungry. So we're going to eat after the episode. And she goes, oh, I bet you, I forgot to feed you again, Moxie, for dinner. In fact. Okay, when I say. Did you, did I feed you for lunch? Okay, okay. I did feed her for lunch. And when I said again, it was only the second time I forgot. Because I, th I think just in my head, when I'm coming here after work, I'm thinking, oh, I'm eating after after the podcast. We record. Yeah. So Moxie's going to eat after we record. Yes. Yes. Duh. Exactly. But really for her, that's like really long time. Yes. But she seems fine now. Yeah. She looks good. She doesn't look deprived. No. Yeah. You so. know what we should do one time is we should order food while we're podcasting. I love it. Chinese. So, yes. So we order it on totally. DoorDash or whatever. Yes. Record. And then when it gets here, we take a little break, stuff our face with orange chicken. <laughs> and love then it. keep recording. Wouldn't that I be nice? It. That would be great. Because I feel like we always have a dinner issue. Yeah, we do. We always do. Like, for example, right now, Chris is upstairs in charge of the frittata. And we're very, and that's, very nervous. Yes, that's nerve wracking. Yeah. But he's gotten so smart. He, we hardly hear a peep out of him. He took off his cowboy boots. 
clomp, clomp, clomp. I love that he uh, has hooked up his Bluetooth headphones to the to TV. the TV so he can hear the TV, right? And he sits and he works on his computer. He doesn't walk around because he knows he's kind of like the big old lumberjack. Oh, poor Chris! Right? And so when I asked him if he might take a shot at the frittata, he went cook and make noise. And it was oh my goodness. Well, I'm nervous for your frittata, but also excited. Okay. I, I might have a slice. I love it. I All didn't right. really invite you, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> just a little, uh, just a taste. You know. To see what Chris is made of. You're no, you know, you're always invited. Okay, thank you. You're like family. Oh, thank you. You are family. Oh, thanks. What about Moxie? Can she have a slice of frittata? No. Because dogs don't eat that, right? Dogs, dogs don't, don't eat frittata. frittata, right? They eat dog <laughs> hey, food. Hey, Siri. <laughs> <laughs> oh did do, it do it yeah do dogs eat frittata <laughs> uh i don't Sir, know if siri got... says no okay well we always listen to siri That's, and i gotta tell you siri we trust i'm a little bit spooked out because for the second time when my phone sees the podcast it yeah. says going into um that mode where you don't get any calls. What's do it not disturb. Do not disturb. When it's going seen. into do not disturb mode until 7 p.m. when podcasting should be over. That is creepy. That's what I said. But also. It's like Big Brother You know what's us. the worst is when technology is creepy, but like really, really useful at the oh, same time. I'm like telling you. How great is it that yeah. your phone does it automatically? I loved but it. But also how creepy is it? I loved it. I said, this is the coolest thing ever, right? Yeah. But it's also freaky. But also creepy. It's like cool reeky. Right. Cool reeky. Cool reeky. Oh, freaky is cool reeky. <laughs> cool freaky is cool reeky. Cool reeky. So. All right. Well, now that we've gotten all that important information out to you, yes. listeners, I'm sure that you are listening to this because you wanted to know whether or not your dog could have frittata. And now <laughs> you know. No. We're just a font of new information. Yes, we are. Okay. But, should we get into what's on the episode today? Yes. All right. Let's get into our best episode yet of Big Girl Money. To date best episode guaranteed right now (laughs) our first segment is the segment i love which is titled ask wendy where we dive into some of your pressing email questions and wendy can help you as she has helped me many times font of wisdom over here yes next we will play our amazing interview with ceo of cirrus scan john kelly lastly we end the podcast with a big girl faux pas that will have you loling and a big girl spotlight all this after our super catchy theme music Dear Wendy is, I haven't seen any of these. Yes. So it's off the fly. All right. And I love some of these questions. Things okay. I would never even think to talk about. Yes. So. And remember, people, send in your questions because we are going to pick one of these emails, at least one, and send them some kind of little treat. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because remember, um, we've even got... We're givers. Yeah, we are givers. That's, that's <laughs> what it's all about. Instead of takers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So this is first email is from Elise. Okay. Elise. It says... Dear Wendy and Ronnie, I love the podcast and thank you for making episodes even through all of your health challenges, Wendy. I'm so happy you're feeling better. (laughs) 
I had an awkward situation recently that I wanted to get your advice on. On my team, we always start our weekly syncs with a game or question. The question today was, if you could spend a year with one celebrity, who would it be? I said Ellen because, duh, Ellen is amazing. Yes. (laughs) Next, it was a male co-worker's turn, and he named a Hollywood director who's been accused of harassment and violence against women. I had already been feeling frustrated with the culture on my team, and I was so horrified by his choice that I immediately snapped at the coworker. He was visibly embarrassed and said he didn't know about the allegations and that it was just a game. I was too mad in the moment to say anything else and, re- and regret getting so snappy. Mm. What should I do to fix this? And what would you have done to let your coworker know his answer to the question made you uncomfortable? Thank you, Elise. Wow, Elise, this is tough because yeah. the thing is we get better as we practice mm-hmm. with just taking a breath and not responding because it's really why a filter is there in the first place. Yeah, yeah. We want that pause before we say anything. And sometimes we have to teach ourselves how to pause when we don't feel like it. Like just put a little fingernail right against your hand so you feel something else oh. so you don't respond, oh. right? Or Or hold your hand and squeeze it. So you have something else to think about, oh, right? Okay. When somebody says something crazy. Okay. And it just gets your mind and gives you just enough break where you can get your thoughts together. Okay. Right? Right. It's like bringing you back to the present moment. And most of the time, I don't think I'd ever confront someone in the moment in the meeting. Okay. Unless I really had my wits about me. Okay. I'd probably talk about to them afterwards. But... If you really felt compelled, one thing you could do is ask, tell me why you chose them. So it was probably like he directed all this fabulous um, set of movies that changed my life or something like that. Right. right. right? And it could have been after you, if he didn't, you'd say, why did you pick him? Mm -hmm. And you could say, were you aware of the, ask it as a question, Mm -hmm. of some of the latest charges? Because I always liked his movies too. But it's really put a sour taste in my mouth, all of the uh, ugliness, me too ugliness that's that's out there right now. Right, right, around, right, right. Stirring around him. So that's one way to say it in this way of first not assuming he knew about it and chose him anyway. Yeah. Right? Because exactly. you can't really, I get why that would be offensive, but you can't really expect everybody to know every allegation oh. against every celebrity they like. Totally. Especially when there's so many. Totally. Like, Oh, my God. That it's, you can't right. be expected to know all that. Exactly. So right? what she said, her first question was, what should I do to fix this? Well, and that's, um, that's where you go one-on-one mm-hmm. with him. And I would apologize. Okay. I'm so sorry that I snapped at you. And then tell him why this matters to you. This is a really personal issue to me. And it's something that I hope that more males will become advocates for this issue. So I shouldn't have just assumed that you were aware of it. And hopefully at that point, he'll be saying, well, I had no idea about this guy. And yeah, I I also think that's not okay. Perfect. Well, try that out, Elise, and let (laughs) us know how it goes. That's right. All right. Next, ask Wendy. Dear Wendy and Ronnie, Big Girl Money is my fave podcast and I listen every week. Thank you for all that you do. 
Yay. I, I need your advice about my pain in the arse <laughs> coworkers that are driving me up a wall. For some reason, two of my female teammates do not get along. Almost every meeting, email, interaction is passive aggressive to the max, and it's stressing me out. Wow. Newsflash, ladies. Women are supposed to be supporting each other nowadays. <laughs> so it's drama. I love this. this nowadays. Gal. Yeah. Anyways, is there anything I can do, or should I just put my head down and try my best to tune out the drama? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Best, Robin. Wow, Robin. Well, it is no fun to be in the middle of that. No. any That toxicity can wear out anybody. Yes. Right? I, I've been in situations like this, not with teammates. Yeah. But I've definitely been in an office environment where it's like well known. Oh, totally. That two people don't get along. Oh, totally. And every time you're in the same room with them, it's just yeah. like, ugh. And Ronnie, I was that person. I mean, I had a... You had an enemy? I, I had a director when I was early uh-huh. on, uh-huh. and it was a hardware director. I was the software director. Oh. And I could have said <laughs> white, and he'd say black. Oh, my I gosh. I could have said, um, this is the best thing since sliced bread, and he would have said, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to us. Oh, my god! It was like we were always polar opposites on everything. And you were director of software and director yes. of hardware. It and sounds he was, like a movie. And he was hardware. So, I mean, he was he was the guy, I don't know if I ever told you this, he said to me, Look, I finally confronted him. Okay. And said, like, what's your deal with me? Right? Are oh. we just that polar opposites? Right. And right, he right, goes, right. Um, Wendy, well, I just resent you because you're double income, you're young, and you're a woman. Oh, my God. And I said, well, there's not a lot I can do about those three, <laughs> especially the woman part. And I just realized he was... He's, he was just, I was Jealous, a threat. kind of? Oh, maybe threatened. he was a threat. Threatened. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was threatened. Okay. So I totally get where she's coming from. All right, back to Robin. Right? Back to Robin. So Robin, in this case, I want to know if the manager has seen all these interactions. Because this is just bad leadership to let this behavior go on in uh, front of everybody else. Right, right. And to impact the rest of the team. Because you are impacting the culture. It is a hostile work environment to let this go on and i think when it's like passive aggressive yes sometimes you'll see it and since it's not so um blatant Mm -hmm. you'll think like maybe i'm the only person that this bothers yes but it probably bothers everybody totally you know what i mean totally so in most cases i say you have to go to the people first Mm -hmm. before you go to the manager Mm -hmm. but i would first see I would try it out because I I say, man, does this bug anybody else? Right. right. So somebody I trusted, I'd go to them and say, have you noticed, you know, um, Sandra and Allison and how they interact? Yeah. yeah. And I wouldn't because it could be one of them's best friend. Right. Right. And so you got to do it in a way that's diplomatic. You don't get busted. (laughs) It's like, damn, don't aren't they killing you, too? Yeah. Well, they're my best friends. So there you go. Oh, my right? God. So you have to think through that. Right. Strat- strategically pick right. somebody. And you just throw a little breadcrumb out there and see if they pick it up. Okay. Because if that's true, then you can find out it's more than just you. Oh, right? Okay. Right. Because then that way you can decide to confront them on the issue. And I would pick one of the ones you're closest to. And I say, how do I want to be treated in this case? Mm-hmm. Which if somebody has a problem with me, I'd rather them come to me first before I go to the boss. Right. Or anybody goes to my boss. Right. So I would go to the one I had the best relationship with. Mm-hmm. And I'd say pretty much the same thing. Hey, 
I just am seeing a little bit of tenseness between mm -hmm. the two of you. Just wondering what's that about? Because it tends to make me uncomfortable and it might be making other people comfortable. Okay. You wouldn't say, and everybody else is uncomfortable too, you two bitches that can't get along, right? right? right. You're not seeing that. So that way you can kind of allow them to save face also. And if they come back and say, well, she drives everybody to drink. And it's like, <laughs> well, yeah, she, she, yes. But at the same time, it's creating uh, a place where it, the meetings, you're just waiting for the next conflict yeah, to come up. Yeah. And hopefully they go, oh my gosh, I didn't We didn't even realize that... we were being that snippy. Exactly. That passive aggressive. Or my husband just told me about this yesterday. Maybe I do have something to work on. I mean, <laughs> you're kind of hoping they say something like that. Like, thank you, right? Right, right. And and you always offer, is there anything I can do to help? Oh. Even though you're hoping she won't bring you into it. <laughs> You're trying to be part of the solution and not just throwing flame balls at them. You people are killing us. Okay. Right? Okay. And if it still goes on, then I'd go to the boss because you've already tried going to them. Got it. Good advice, Wendy. Thank you. Robin, tell us how that goes. <laughs> okay. On to the next one. This one's from Caitlin. Dear Big Girl Money, I have got an issue I need your advice on. That's what we're here for, Caitlin. That's right. I am a 28-year-old analyst at a tech company, and overall, I'm really happy with my team and job. The only problem I have is my entire team, with the exception of one or two people, are, in all caps, obsessed with fantasy football. Oh it dominates gosh. many of our meetings, lunches, happy hours, etc., and I always feel out of place and left out of the conversation. It's mostly the men on my team, but also a good number of the women, too. I feel so left out of the fun, but I, in all caps, hate football. Wow. <laughs> what do I do? Question mark, question mark. Thank you, Caitlin. Well, and Ronnie, I'd like to hear, do you have any advice for this? I mean, this this is both of us. You're a smart cookie. So <laughs> had you thought about anything with this um, one? Um, They do play fantasy football at my office. Okay. But not an obsessive talk about it all the time way. They're pretty into it. But um, there's two other women on my team that are not into it at all. Mm. So I just kind of like bond with them over how we're kind of like the anti of what everybody else is bonding over. Yeah. And then we can like, you know, kind of like joke around about how crazy they are because they're so obsessed with football. Yeah. And be like, oh, let's just run and get a coffee while they talk about football. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Kind of like use it as an opportunity to get close to the right. people who aren't into that thing. And it's but it's very divisive. It's it sounds even like them and us. Right, you don't want right? that. You don't want right? that. Yeah. So, I think it's good to find other people that are not into it so you don't feel so alone, right, right? Right. And I wouldn't say to go and do it just because they did it. Instead, I might there's probably people that bring it up first. There's the instigators. Uh-huh. And I might take one of them aside and say, hey, I'd love to have coffee with you and find out some other things about them, oh. right? And try to find out, is it really all fan fantasy football you have in your life? <laughs> and if you could build a relationship with any of those people, you could say, I love how excited y'all are. This is over time. This is not the first conversation. Right, right, right. But you're hoping there's some people in that group where you could uh, ask them, let's just see what we could do. Yeah. And to pull in the others. Because right. it it does feel like it's an 
It's right, creating right, the right, circle right, right, right. of exclusivity. Almost and play it off like it's not your issue. It's kind of yes. like you've been noticing. Yeah, I've thing. been noticing. And I see some of the folks kind of pull back or don't want to go out to lunch anymore because all we talk about is is fantasy football. Mm -hmm. Also, if at the beginning she said she was overall really happy with her team and job. So it's like, you know, focus on the good stuff. And reaffirm that with with those people. Right, right, right. right. Or steer the conversation away. Mm -hmm. When they start with fantasy football, jump in and say, hey, by the way, is anybody going to something that's a little more sports-like, like the fireworks at, at Rocky Stadium? Like it's all, it's sportsy. Right, right, But right. it's not. But you're more into it. It's and, a subtle yeah, shift. Subtle shift. All right. And see how many times they keep, I did that with my mom while she was here. When she <laughs> would say crazy, I would deflect. Say crazy? You know how people say crazy statements. Or, oh, oh, oh. When crazy would come out. Yes. You know, like she would say something nutty, like, isn't your sister just the most disrespectful or something crazy? Right, right. right? Something I, you don't want to yeah. talk about. And I would just pretend she didn't even say it. That phrase, uh-huh. and steer the conversation to another. I just realized. I think Parker does this to me all the oh. time. <laughs> Smart cookie. <laughs> and rarely you, you get deflected. You don't go back and say, "I I asked you whether you thought Tino is disrespectful." Wow, right? I feel they like, never do. Have I spent eight years of my life being <laughs> deflected? <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. He's a smart cookie, sounds like. He is. He is. I do say crazy things sometimes, so can't blame him. That's so funny. All right. That's all the emails we have time for. Well, we hope we made an impact, right? And we can't wait to hear some other folks' challenges as well as how it goes for these amazing women that took the time to write in. Good advice, Wendy. You're so good at that. Really? Yeah. Oh, good. I think you're good. Good. It just is so natural. You're just like, well, I would do this, blah, 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 blah. blah." (laughs) That's funny. At the end, I didn't know what to do with the third one. And so I stalled by having you talk. <laughs> oh, so you didn't actually value no. my opinion. You were just stalling. No, I mean, <laughs> I sat here and thought, how can I take a minute? I should ask Ronnie. And that'll give me a minute to kind of collect my thoughts. So it worked out really good. When it's, when it's like, you're really smart. You give your opinion. No, I just, believe that too. She's just stalling. It's an and, not an or. Okay. All right. All, all, right, right. all right. That was Ask Wendy and it was great. Now, I would love to introduce our interview guest today. Who is one of my favorite people. Really? Oh, yeah. High praise. I know. And who is this guy you might be asking? (laughs) His name is John Kelly, and he is the chair and CEO of Sarascan. Sarascan is a cutting-edge technology company that is providing detailed reporting to doctors based on functional brain scans produced in their clinics. The brain scans are used in the identification and existence of conditions such as traumatic brain injuries, ADD, ADHD, Alzheimer's, bipolar disorders, and depression. I, I think it's amazing. They're even working with vets with PTSD. Oh, oh, I thought you meant like dog vets. vets. Oh, <laughs> It's all about the dog people. I was like, are do vets go through a lot of trauma? <laughs> and so aren't they military veterans? Military vets with PTSD. Yes. And aren't yes. they also working with um, football players with CTE? Yes, yes. with con- concussions. Yeah. All this great stuff. Yeah. yeah. All right. I mean, it's amazing what they're doing. They, it is amazing. Let's roll that interview. So... You know, I did like 48 interviews uh-huh. of, and it was eight of them were male. And I would ask all the women, what kind of great gender intelligent lead male leaders do you know? Uh-huh. And every one of them would say, 
well, almost all of them would say, I need to think about that. (laughs) It was sad. I was depressed. And so um, one of them, and I can't remember who, she didn't have to think at all. She said, you have to, you have to talk to John Kelly. Oh, wow. What a compliment. That's nice. And the thing I remember the most was how you had been given the feedback. You were too nice to be a CEO because you have a different demeanor Mm -hmm. than masculine, negative kind of alpha males. Yep. Right? Were you always kind of this more softer spoken? Well, uh, my mom went to work. We had five kids. I was the oldest. Mom went to work so we could get a house, which we didn't have. We had five kids in a two-bedroom Wow. Oh my goodness. Apart- wow. No, it wasn't an apartment. It was a, a little rental. square military house. Oh, wow. Post-World War II. And so <clears throat> my parents actually slept on a couch rollout or, you know, hide a bed kind of thing. Oh, so amazing. there were four boys and a, two bunk beds, and my sister had the one room. Oh, my So anyway, gosh. my mom went to work. What'd she do? Uh, she ended up working for the St. Charles County Recorder's Office. Yeah. That's but good. I was put in charge uh, during the summer of four kids who ranged from three to um, seven. Oh, my gosh. In a rural. How old were you? I was almost 11. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Your first management position. Yeah. CEO of the house. To keep four other kids occupied during the day, I made up games and activities, and I changed rules, like with Monopoly, so kids could play it. (laughs) Yeah. So I just... And then I did that for three years. And I couldn't yell at them. I was their brother. It didn't serve any purpose. They were too young. It might work once, but it wouldn't work very often. So you try to think your way out of it. Wow. And you always knew you wanted to be in tech? You always No, I just kind of backed my way into it. Really? I needed a job. That was the first start. Yeah. To get out of that bunk bed. Yeah, because I was 23 or... Is that right? 20, yeah, because I was two years in the Army. 23, I needed to get out of my parents' house. I oh. had no I had no car, nothing after getting out of the Army. Talk about motivational. Mm-hmm. What was your Xerox job? I had a lot of them. I had 11, 11 years. I ended up oh, okay. being involved in the tech world. Uh, but I started sales. Oh, okay. National account management, uh, sales management, regional management. So kind of the IBM Xerox. Yeah, yeah. Because a big leap was... or. or so getting into that CEO role was the VP of at Quest, right? Yeah. So my first CEO role was after Quest bought US West. Got it. And then I left when Joe Nascio came in. It was pretty bad. Yes. So I got I was recruited and I had a couple choices. So McData was the first. I was chair and CEO. So wow. It was the first biggie. Well, and did they ever say? Why are you ready for the CEO? You've just been a VP up till now. No, Did I was ready. Ever, you I was, were. I was ready at US West. I would have been on their high potential list. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. What I, do you think between the McData CEO role and then taking two years off and doing the Searscan CEO role? What do you think you did differently the second go around? Like any adjustments? Well, I think you, McData had 3,200 employees. Mm -hmm. It was worldwide. Mm -hmm. And this one had 18, has 18. Oh, okay. So you have to shift gears in terms of sort of communication style. Uh, I don't think any of the leadership principles changed. Okay. But, you know, you're dealing with a smaller group. Mm -hmm. 
they're more attuned to your uh, your ups and downs because they're seeing you closely every day. Oh, right, right. Um, it makes getting rid of people really more difficult because you tend to be closer. Right, right. Um, so it makes it harder from a um, internal politics perspective. Mm-hmm. So you know, some different dynamics because of size. Okay. Did you, were you worried at all when you stepped into the Seroscan role that you didn't really have like medical device experience? So that's a great question. So the device, I wasn't worried, but the, um, knowing brain anatomy is a tough ticket. Yeah. So neurosurgeons, neurologists, you know, those academic classes tend to be hardest because Mm -hmm. the brain is really a country mile more complex than anything else. Right, right. So trying to have credibility without going to med school. And even then, you know, a neurosurgeon will turn his or her nose up at a neurologist because they're in the brain. The other one just studies it. Yeah. So you have this sort of pecking order. Right. And psychiatrists sit at the bottom of that food chain (laughs) in terms of how they treat each other. Wow. Yeah. And so you come in trying to, it's almost like you're back to, getting your brothers and your sister to do things, mm-hmm. you're using those same skills with these these egos, right? Yep. And how, do you think you're good at it? Mm-hmm. And tell me why. Tell me how. Or what advice would you give somebody that needs to get good at this with their own well, toxic yeah, you, environment? You maybe? have to have a reasonable level of competency and knowledge, you know, about whatever you're doing. Yes, so there, there is a, a reasonable level of, I'll use brains, brain anatomy and how things work. You can't manage it without having some credibility right. that you either have knowledge of or you're trying. So having said that, asking questions is probably the best. Yeah. You can box it. Why do you say that? Yeah. You know, I'm not, I didn't go to med school, but my understanding is, this so why are you saying what you're saying so yeah it's how you phrase questions with them oh i I use this when i go to sales meetings um especially when i was doing biz dev and trying to get to know a a client because i'd walk up and they would just they wouldn't even put down their phones they wouldn't give me uh uh, even look at me because they just made some assumptions and so i'd ask them questions like hey I understand your call recording solution uses H three two three. Everybody's moving to SEP. Why aren't you know? Why did you decide that? And they just went, "Well, let me you know nail you." Seem smart, and I got all of their attention. It was so amazing. Yeah. By just asking that question, yep. so it's kind of like that. A lot of that. Yep. Oh, that's cool. Did you have any trouble getting on your first boards? Oh, or sure. Once, how did you, because a lot of women struggle with this. Yeah. So I work on that. I mean, I'm involved with the Women's Vision Foundation and Women's Leadership. So I'm actively a mentor for Fabulous. women. Yeah. yeah. And you had trouble with it, you just said. Well, sure. I think everybody does, except sure. unless you went to Harvard. Or sure, yeah. sure. I think that first one is... Uh, luck favors a prepared mind. You kind of got to be in a position. And then once you punch in, then it makes the other ones Just fall. They just fall like... The opportunities, you can sort of sift through the opportunities. Yeah. And if you do a good job... Then you get known, right? You Mm -hmm. get... You network. People talk about you. Yeah, she's a great board member. He's a great board member. 
and others want to hear about it. Yeah, that's true. And then there are crappy boards, too, so you have to be careful. Ah. You mean dysfunctional? Yeah, dysfunctional or companies where the board dynamics are bad. Or uh, even ethically? Sure. Wow. I can't remember how many hundred uh, board members are in jail now. That Oh, yeah, over the last 10 years, Jeez. quite a few. It's a oh, I believe hundred. it. So yeah. it's something you have to take seriously, mm-hmm. too. What are board meetings like? Because on TV shows, they're like really intense. You know? That's my only perspective on a board meeting. If they're intense, there's trouble. I mean, I've been on a couple where they've been tense. But all in all, you set up the board meeting, the committee meetings. You don't really want surprises. Mm -hmm. So you try to communicate, writing, uh, teleconferences, whatever. Get it set up so the board meeting is going to be fair, open, transparent. Everybody's going to have a opportunity to talk but mm-hmm. everybody's prepared okay. coming in because you don't want to educate people at the board meeting you want them to be as educated as possible about international expansion new marketing shutting down a yeah. business right sizing so a lot of preparation yeah. before a lot of preparation because the idea is to tap into the board's skill set not tap into how good a learners they are oh. right We've- have you had any like really dramatic ones like a vote of no confidence in the CEO. Sure. And you had to get rid of him, mm-hmm. the CEO? Yeah, we had a CEO who uh, was systemically abusing expense reports oh, after no. Sarbanes-Oxley. Not egregious in the sense of 1000 here, 2000 here. And then started masking trips to evaluate president's clubs, stuff like that. And internal audit caught it, and he tried to snuff it out. Oh, wow. That, that does sound like a TV to, show. Yep. And I always <laughs> wonder where there's that kind of smoke, there's a bigger fire. No question about it. Where ethically, if people are doing that, they're doing worse. Yeah. You just don't see so it. So when we terminated him, there were other things that came up. Uh-huh. Wow. Then our stock got cratered. <gasps> cratered? Because of it. Wait, sure. I don't know what that means, because cratered. Our stock went down. Oh, yeah. oh okay. Because the, okay. Vo- the shareholder confidence that the board wasn't doing their job, oh. that we hired the wrong person. So right, right, right. inevitably, the termination, because it was a surprise to the shareholder world, yeah. right, or the, or the investor or analyst, mm. you couldn't talk about it. And when you terminated him, then is there something else wrong? You know, yeah. are there other people that are bad? What yeah, else right. is going on? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So it sets a spiral. If it's um, potential violations of securities and exchange rules, mm-hmm. or a thing called FINRA, it's financial oversight, mm-hmm. then you you have to be totally quiet because exactly. there could be litigation. Oh, wow! And in this particular case, some activist shareholders tried to play the stock by filing suit that the board wasn't acting the best interest of the uh, shareholders, oh. but they shorted the stock. So when they put it out there. that's Isn't that illegal? No. Oh, it's not? Not with private equity. Wow. I was so not aware can, of that either. So you can sue. So they sued the for board. For legitimate reasons. Yeah. For legitimate shorted reasons. Shorted the stock. Because they knew that the stock would drop when they because sued. Because of it's it. It's almost an automatic. Yeah. That's, oh, my like, God. That's and icky. the legal expenses were... A pittance compared to the profits they made on shorting the stock. Oh, damn. Yeah. Your life is like this crazy business TV show. 
I'm watching Succession on HBO right oh, now. Oh, yeah. So that's, yeah. that's why I have all these questions. Was there a vote of no confidence? <laughs> Man, I can't believe that's not illegal to do that. There's more. I mean. Why don't people do that all the time? Oh, They do. Damn. Well, and you hope that that comes back to the ethical part. Yeah. Right? I mean. I mean, General Electric stock went down. I mean, it's the same thing. Shorted the stock. Wow. Put out things that were sort of rumor-ish. Mm. And a ser- the CEO, gee, he's so big, the CEO could withstand it. But over time, a constant bombardment. And people make money when things go down as yeah. much as they do as much as when they go up. Wow. So you seem like you're at such a good place in your career. Mm-hmm. Are you happy? Are you? Yes. You're at your perfect place? Yeah, I think that our company... Sarascan has been in existence long enough that we should have an appropriate acquirer or go public or something like that. So our kind of internal time clock is there, and it's my job to get us to the finish line on that. And you wanted it to be an exit where you got acquired from the beginning? Yeah, so we don't have any private equity or venture capital, so the exit definition is... What's in the best interest of the major investors and shareholders? Sure. As compared to venture capital and private equity wanting a financial return. Exactly. So there is a little bit of a balance in our case between doing good and feeling good, too. Yeah. I mean, because what I love is this idea of you actually healing some of these mental health issues. Correct. Right? Pretty high-profile stuff like PTSD for for vets i mean seriously they gave their life for the country and you are figuring out how to analyze i'm i hope i'm not messing up here but Mm. analyze all of this data from these scans to be able to help people rewire with this light therapy right so that's one we're now involved in seven active uh, therapy trials for mental health or mental disorders. Wow. And they include CBD, THC, stem cell, hyperbaric chamber, wow. infrared light, and a neurofeedback. And where we are able to provide measurements from point A, where your brain is, and point B, much like you would on a mammography. So we're able to see if there's any statistical changes positively hopefully improvement Mm -hmm. to show the efficacy of those particular interventions amazing wow but it feels so fractured with so few people how do you stay on top of all of these different avenues you've you've taken on so the brain industry has got radiology neurology psychiatry oncology neuropsychiatry a whole host of specialists. So by definition, the medical world is put it into silos. Got it. And there is no brain that's a silo. Exactly. Period. So the the ability to integrate the knowledge and data across all those specialties to come up with a most likely plan of attack or diagnosis or something is new in the brain world. It is not in cardiology, and it's not that way for the most part in oncology, because you'll have sort of a uniform process on the oncology world. Is that tumor comprised of different 
you know, proteins and sure. how do we attack it, or cardiologies, EKG, uh, what's your blood work, what's your plaque, do you have what's your carotid artery, blockage, yeah. what's your calcium count. So cardiologists bundle all that together. You don't have another profession, by and large, parked in the heart world. Maybe, you know, hematology, but by and large, the cardiologists are sort of a one-stop shop. Mm-hmm. There is no one-stop shop. No, brain. you're integrating all of those disciplines, Correct. which has got to feel overwhelming. It's got to feel like such a big yeah, thing new. to take on. It's new. But you just don't seem, you seem fearless about it, doesn't <laughs> he? He doesn't seem worried. He doesn't seem worried to me either. Mm. No. So who are your clients? Hospitals? It's a great question. So patients are the ultimate client. Okay, right, right. But you can't have a patient without a doctor referral because what <clears throat> we do requires a referral. Okay. So therefore, the referring medical professional, and I'm using that terminology rather than doctor, mm-hmm. because in some states, a nurse practitioner right. <clears throat> could do it. There's different rules. Even a psychologist, states. right? So it depends on the state. Okay. A chiropractor who's got a neuro background can, some states, some states not. So it depends on the definition of a a licensed medical professional. Okay. So whatever that state's rules are, Mm -hmm. we get the medical referral. So that referring group Mm -hmm. could be that. But it could also be lawyers. How's that? If you were uh, exposed to carbon monoxide at work oh so an attorney could intervene saying we could show statistically and mathematically damage because of a hazardous work environment okay now the attorneys will ultimately have to work with a qualified medical professional Mm -hmm. but attorneys could be they start the Mm -hmm. ball rolling Right. right And so our research, I mentioned seven research projects were going on. Yeah. So those could be research universities, research hospitals. So we are migrating our way into research. So it could be a PhD involved in Parkinson's. It's not an MD. Right, right. And what are you the most excited about with all this? The ability to provide almost instantaneous online cloud-based data for a doctor or a researcher to be able to have the most likely diagnosis of what the issue is. With an individual? Looking at multiple data elements from blood work to genes to gut bacteria to cognitive testing. And they would have to go today on a three or four day journey through Mayo Clinic to do that. Wow. We can provide it online. What is most impressive is we could do it for pennies, not thousands. Is there data privacy issues with that? Yes. With making that So every patient has, that's a great question too. Every patient has their right to agree to sharing their data in a de-identified way. So if you came in, your name is not used, but you can't have big data analytics without big data. If I'm going to compare your brain disorders, Mm -hmm. it would be helpful to be able to compare yours to everybody who's of your same age, same situation, same circumstances. Because the doctor or medical provider will try to do a diagnosis. The brain's complex. But in the old days, they'll pick up the phone and call their colleague and go, have you seen this before? Well, what if we were able to do that with thousands 
immediately. Oh, I see. I see. Mm-hmm. So they can do a comparison. Go, well, look, somebody just like you was in Albuquerque. Mm-hmm. And we think you're hiking in the mountains. Your condition may be more Lyme's disease than something where you're sleep deprived mm-hmm. or you can't concentrate. Mm-hmm. So the likelihood that I'm going to pursue of treatment is really based around your lifestyle. Your symptoms mimic something that could be psychiatric, mm-hmm. but we think you may, in fact, have like an RNA Oh. based mm. problem mm. okay right i see a viral amazing a yeah, viral yeah type of infection wow so well can people get brain scans from seroscan for depression and things yes. like that mm-hmm. wow dementias dementias the category you've got frontal temporal dementia alzheimer's dementia so sure. yes on dementias yes on ocd add bipolar amazing wow. so those because they have distinctive patterns Mm-hmm. And they they reside in specific regions of the brain. Wow. There's not really a lot of uh, research around mercury poisoning. Oh, okay. So we happen to have 72 people who were exposed directly to mercury vapors or mercury uh, industrial. Oh. EPA was involved. Uh. So I can tell you without fail, the right occipital lobe and the left fusiform gyrus are absolutely key indicators of mercury poisoning wow. and why mercury goes to those two areas. Not the right fusiform gyrus, the left fusiform gyrus, and the right occipital lobe. So there's mole- some molecular reason Wow. on all likelihood. So at your, at your current job, mm-hmm. do you feel like any day you're making these types of discoveries <laughs> in <No>. your job? <laughs> I mean, seriously, this is really impressive yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, this is amazing. We want more of this because I know just for me, the cancer I have is lobular. It's only 15% of the cancers, and it's very different. It grows differently. It they know that di- because of data. Exactly. But very few doctors, most of the medical community only knows ductal because yeah. it's 85% of it. And so I keep having to educate people about lobular that are my medical professionals. Right. And it's frustrating. And when I see people say, when you see one cancer uh, patient, you've seen one cancer. That's all. Right. And so it's so many different enumerations of this that it could get so overwhelming. This, I'd love to see how this would actually be leveraged across other types of conditions. Is that where you want to go with Seroscan? Yep. So it's once acquired. I'm no, I mean, we can do it. We need strategic investment. So to scale to do, um, let's say it's uh, gut bacteria correlation. Sure. We can do the data side of it, but we don't have people in the company who mm. really have studied microbes. And, you know, if you have neuropathy yes. where your extremities are failing because of your diabetes or sure. whatever. So we can go do Yes, we can do it. But it needs, you need to have expertise. The medical expertise mm-hmm. that helps you yeah. take that data and make sense of it. Yeah. And the medical expertise is not inexpensive, as, no. as it should be. No, exactly. But there's so many people out there passionate about it. It feels like if you could just connect the right people right. that you could blow this up. Yeah. How has it been being 
the CEO during all this Me Too stuff and, you know, being a white male leader that a lot of people say you're the problem, right? Well, for me personally, my involvement in women and minorities, but from a women's side of it, first of all, Xerox was a phenomenal place for diversity even in the 70s. Wow. Right? So one of my first short-term managers was a woman wow. in 74. Wow. That's unique. It's yeah. Really unique. So probably by the time I became a manager in 80, the desire to win and have a better team was really around selecting people who would be good teammates mm -hmm. and productive in the context of what Xerox needed to do. And many of my peers were still sort of military kind of approach, and they were more comfortable, I think, with men who... We're used to that. We're used to that. And I was, I'll go get talent all day long. You can pick whoever you want that's your friend. I'm, I'm yeah. interested in the best players. And so even at 81, over half the team that I had as a sales manager, where we pick, I personally handpicked women. Wow. But they were the high performers. And it was easier, I thought, to go get good talent. I didn't care what flavor it came in. Yeah. If you got good talent. And we did really well. Yeah. Really, really yeah. well. So it sort of set this pathway of, as a leader, if, you're, if you really want a high-performance team, get the best talent. Best talent comes through diversity, generally yeah. speaking, and um, growing your team. And once that flywheel starts going, good people get promoted that work for you, and they send you other good people because they had a great experience and vice versa. Yeah. So that whole system just built. So for me, Xerox was fundamentally a great proving ground uh, of securing talent and looking the other way yeah. on other people who are knuckleheads. So as it relates to me too, I haven't seen the blatant sort of crap, but am I familiar with don't have a woman in this environment? Sure. I mean, I'd see that happen. It never was a very interesting to me or sort of, this, I'll call it discriminatory thinking. Yeah. If I got to the top, set the tone and do the right thing, get people underneath me who are in the same mindset. You can move fast. Yeah. And be yeah. successful. Yep. And it can go the other way. So if you have bad actors, mm -hmm. I'll use Quest. You know, he, the guy took a $16 billion company and demolished morale and uh, spree decor and collegiality in months. Months? Months. Over a hundred year company. Amazing. Old. Amazing. How but do you, you think he was able to do that? He was Being a knucklehead. Dysfunctional, bad team. He had bad people that he hired. First, mm -hmm. you think. Well, yeah, he's just hiring a loyalist, but he hired some pretty incompetent people that he could really rule. Oh. Um, and he had what I would consider to be very bad choices of leadership stuff. An example would be, was, was an unusual at Quest during the week for the guys to go down to Diamond Cabaret. Oh, oh yes. no. Yes. <laughs> at lunch. Dang. Oh, my God. Wow. It's like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. But, but, but there were innumerable examples of bad role modeling. And, and we should say for our little Italian following, shout out Italy, Diamond Cabaret is a strip club. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's, that's why right. we had that reaction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and anybody not in Colorado. You know, that would be one example, but I think there were more egregious yeah. examples. Say five years from now, 
I call you, and I've just skyrocketed up the corporate ladder, and now I'm mm. CEO of something. I'm the youngest female CEO ever. <laughs> Listen to you. Go, girl. <laughs> and I say, I need your advice. What should I not do, and what should I do? So you called. So I'm, I called. Yeah, so I'm going to start asking questions about what what's the situation. <laughs> okay. You know, give me the details. Where are you at mentally? What what have you been doing? Why why are you there? So before I would fire out some prescriptive answer, oh, okay. I'm going to want to know what's the scoop okay. and what are you struggling with and those kinds of things. And having said that, you know, you're generally going to stay with the principles of go with your gut. Trust that gut. Yep. Make sure you've surrounded yourself with people who give you honest feedback or they're honest brokers because mm-hmm. you want to know. And not yes people. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're a CEO, you always have to understand there's probably two or three sides to every story. Oh, yeah. So you may have managers that say, this team is not any good. But when you get to the team, you find out that maybe the leadership isn't so good. Mm-hmm. So you can't get schnookered by people telling you something because you may be getting filtered information. And do they have an agenda? Everybody does. Totally. And what is it? What is that agenda? And is it worthy? So the two sides, every story thing is really interesting to me because I was, I've told Wendy before, I'm like, I've been in my career for two years and I've always had a manager, obviously, and nobody above my manager, whether it be director or VP, has ever asked me for feedback on my manager, ever. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it is. It's like not a thing that I think happens very often. Because I started asking my friends, I'm like, has the director ever asked you how your manager's leadership is? Like, nobody even really asks you when you're at the bottom of the totem pole. Yeah, I think that gets to be difficult depending upon who asks you the question. Mm Mm-hmm. Because they're trying to accumulate, if they're really artists, trying to accumulate differences of opinion. Oh, okay. I do think cross-functional meetings, skip level, I mean, there's a lot of terminology, but Mm. have maybe your boss's boss come in and start sensing what's going on by a well-set of orchestrated questions. Right, right. And typically, things will come out that aren't said. That you can figure out. Yeah. Ah, because of support for your manager, support for practices, they'll be silent mm-hmm. a lot. And yeah. sometimes they'll be open about it if it's really bad. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and is there communication and do we have feedback and are there 360 degree process, 360 degree feedback? Right, right. Yeah. So, I mean, those need to fundamentally be there. If none of that's there, it's, it's red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag. Yeah. And, and you need you, to dig some more. Yeah. Well, I'm so tickled to hear what Cirrascan's doing and what you're doing. And I just feel like we're so lucky to have you in that role. I think, thank you for yeah, you're welcome. devoting your life. I mean... Well, thank our team. I just get a chance to represent them. Well, <laughs> and you could be out there golfing instead mm-hmm. at this point, if you wanted. I, I would, would be think. sunbathing, but the, my dermatologist doesn't like it. <laughs> There we go. That's smart. So thank you for being here with us. I'm really tickled to, to see where this goes. Great. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Okay, this is where we need Chris. Okay. So Chris. Hey, Chris. Oh, he may not be able to hear us. Oh, I heard him. I heard him. We need you for the big girl faux pas. Do you have yours written out?
okay. He said nothing's getting cooked. That's all right. <laughs> are you, are you still late, recording? We're okay. Yeah, okay, I good. am. Okay, good. Yeah. You you haven't started the frittata? Okay, come sit. Uh, no frittata started. <laughs> <laughs> sit down here with that sexy voice. Ooh. Okay. Get a room. Get a room. Look, Moxie came over to be with you, Chris. Oh, hey, Moxie, nice. sweet dog. Okay, now you got to pull it to you and up. See, like this? Oh, uh, I got it. That's a good radio he voice. He is good. That's okay. A, so almost I, as good I as highlighted sexy it morning for you. Voice. So this is our newest segment, in case you haven't heard it before. It's called the Big Girl Faux Pas. This is where we ask listeners or our guests to tell us. Oh, Moxie, you just banged your head on it. <laughs> to tell us about... A time when they have made a grave mistake at work, but have learned to laugh it off, as we all should. Yes. So go ahead. You can read it, Chris. Well, so, okay. um, These happen to men as well, but I will read this. (laughs) A few years back, I was working as an accountant and was asked to speak to a small informal gathering of students from a local college of business. I didn't prepare anything and figured I just would talk about my experience and wing it. When I arrived, it turned out the small and formal gathering was actually an audience of 300 people <laughs> patiently awaiting my arrival. Oh, no. I nervously assumed my position on the stage and opened my big speech with the worst line possible. Hey, where are my accounting majors at? I followed with a woo-woo. <laughs> oh, the crowd fell silent and I froze. Oh, so it was like no. crickets. Horrified. Eventually, one dad of a student in the back raised his hand. Turns out the gathering was for computer science majors. <laughs> Lesson learned. Oh. Always prepare for talks, even when they're described as informal. Know your audience. Wow. Love you guys. Thanks for reading. Best, Rachel. <laughs> Rachel, bless her heart. I know. I love the dad in the back. Just raises his hand. He oh probably wasn't even an accountant. He was just like, I got to help this girl out. Oh, I mean, d- haven't you been in that situation where you just wanted to, to come to their aid? Yes. Cold sweats. That's all I'm thinking. <laughs> also, who says any accountants in the house? I know. <laughs> woo, woo, oh my, Raise is, the roof. That is so dorky. Oh, That's totally. That's something I would say. Totally. Moxie, why are you whining? Because you feel bad for Rachel? <laughs> Oh, oh my, my God. God. Thanks, Rachel. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for reading. Thank you, gals. <laughs> now so, go cook that frittata. Yes. Frittata on. All right. <laughs> oh, oh my God. And gosh. cue the music before our last segment the Big Girl Spotlight. And here we are. I'm situated. Okay. My big girl spotlight today is from the BBC. Ooh, I love the BBC. I listen to it in big red. Really? Yeah. If you listen to NPR station later at night, they play the BBC. BBC, BBC World News. Oh, I love but it's it. It's like the Bay Say World News. Just kidding. I love that it. That was really bad. All right. So the title of this article is Blue Dress and New Look Women Upstage Italy's Macho Politicians. Ooh, I can't wait to hear this. No woman has come close to leading this country. Female politicians in Italy have often been used either as decorations or as tokens of inequality that doesn't yet exist. Been there, sister. (laughs) 
But the new coalition between the populist five-star movement and the center-left Democratic Party shows signs of a quiet shift. Seven Mm. women have been appointed ministers in contrast to the five who were sworn into the previous populist coalition of five-star and the far-right league party. Nice. Making progress. All right. So now we get to my big girl spotlight, who is agriculture minister Teresa Bellanova. And she's a former farm worker and trade unionist who left school at 15. Wow. So to this event, the new cabinet's inauguration, she wore an electric blue dress. So journalist and ex-politician Daniele Capazzoni tweeted a photo of her with the mocking caption, carnival question mark, Halloween question mark. He was slapped down by many Italians, indignant at what they saw as sexism and snobbery. Oh, exactly. So this poor lady is just trying to rock this dress, which she looks fabulous in. And this dill weed has to say all this mean things about her. Exactly. But um, this was my favorite is her response. She said she tweeted back. True elegance is respecting one's own mood. Yesterday, I felt enthusiastic, electric blue with flounces. And that's how I presented myself. Isn't what a that amazing, classy, classy response. I know. Right? I, I knew you would love that. Oh, I also love it. Because how can you call him on it, but as uh, Obama, Michelle Obama says, when uh, they go low, we go high. Yes, exactly. Right? And that's what she it. did. Also, I just want to get a board on, like, in the studio that says, true elegance is respecting one's own mood. I love like, it. Like, how amazing is that? That's a fabulous. Yeah. I mean, like a little uh, mantra, a little wisdom. Yes. Wisdom. From and Teresa Bellanova. We love the Teresa. The new Minister of Agriculture. That is fabulous. So, go Teresa and love we that love quote. We love you. And she just looks so awesome in her blue dress. Look at Everybody else is in black and she looks fabulous. <laughs> I love it. Yep. Because you know, I was told I was wearing two brighter colors. Oh yeah, I remember. Didn't right? you have like a red yeah. uh, suit, and your boss told you that you shouldn't wear it? Yes, exactly. All right. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of Big Girl Money, and we can't. We wait. love you. We love you, and we cannot wait to see the emails and the questions and. We love reviews, too. Oh, and yes, ratings. we do. We yes. love them. Love so, them. And we throw a party every time. Well, every not, time. Not every we have time. a little mini we party. We have a mini party, yes. <laughs> Till next time. Till next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Big Girl Money. We appreciate your support. If you want to follow us in other ways, we're on Instagram and Twitter. LinkedIn and Facebook. And remember, we love getting email Mm -hmm. about your questions and stories. I mean, it knowing that we can make an impact Mm -hmm. is one of the reasons we love doing this so much. So email us at biggirlmoneypodcast at gmail.com. And check out our website, which is biggirlmoney.com. So if you like us, that makes all the big difference in the world. So what do they do, Ronnie, if they like us? Well, Wendy, let me tell you. If they <laughs> like us, they should leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to yes. the podcast so that others can find us. Yeah, and please share it so that other people can find us too. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye.